Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. We help you stay happy, healthy and whole so your small business can thrive and stay vital in this ever-changing world with holistic coaches and small business owners, Jill and Dan. Hello and welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. I'm Jill and I'm here with my podcast and partner in crime, Daniel. Hello, Jill and hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. And today we've got a good one for you, something that Dan and I are both interested in, and I'm reading a really good book about it, and it's all about near-death experiences. Have you ever had one? That's what we'd like to know, wouldn't we? So near-death experiences, people who have been brought back from the edge. And apparently, according to my book that I'm reading, which I'll tell you about in a minute, there's like more of them are happening nowadays because, um, what's the word? You know, when you resuscitate, (laughs) resuscitation practices have got so much better in the last 20, 30 years that people who shouldn't really be here have been brought back medically. So um, there's quite a lot of that going on. What do you think, Dan? What do you think is going on? It's an interesting topic and I don't know why I'm so, I wouldn't say fascinated. Over the past few years, I've been more and more intrigued by it. And the more you kind of get into the spirituality and things like that, you start asking more questions about the meaning of life, why we're here, what happens after life. And then you get these people who supposedly have experienced what happens and then came back to talk about it. And I just, yeah, I just find it really, really interesting. And it's kind of very similar to the psychedelics episode, which we did a few weeks back. I think they both share quite a lot of traits, having Mm. a needed experience and being in a psychedelic state. There's a lot of similarities, so maybe that's why I'm interested. It's just something along those lines. But that was an interesting point in what you said there about um, resuscitation rates going higher and higher. I never even thought of that, but that's probably why we've got more recorded cases. Yeah. Maybe, and maybe it kind of helps us like, kind of track similarities and, and yeah. see if we can figure out what's going on. Yeah, so the book I'm currently reading is called The Ten Secrets of Heaven by Teresa Chiong. And um, it's mysteries of the afterlife revealed. And what she's done basically is gone around and collected and spoke to as many people as she can who've had near-death experiences. And um, because she's already written another book about it, she's had loads of emails and stuff. And like you say, there were common threads throughout the people who've um, come back. And so this is what this book is about. It's like the 10 most common things that they've said are like the common themes of people who have come back from being dead basically yeah so i think we should really go over what those common threads are common themes are but first of all we should for anyone who doesn't really know we should describe what a near-death experience is because i think some people might be thinking is it just kind of a close call did you step out into the road nearly get hit by a bus but you jumped back Mm-hmm. that's just a close call but a near-death experience is when you are clinically pronounced as dead and then you come back to life and the near-death experience is what happens in that time in between mm-hmm. so for some people it might just be a minute they might have a cardiac arrest and it looks as though they're dead and then they get resuscitated and then they're back to life a minute later but clinically the officially dead there's no there's no heart rate or brain activity Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some cases where it's been like 20 minutes or it's been into the into hours and then people have come back to life and they've had this mystical experience in this time where the clinically dead there's no brain activity the body is just is no longer technically alive mm-hmm. but they've had this experience in another realm or another dimension what we would call death or what they perceive as death 
and then come back to talk about it. So that's a near-death experience. It's not just a bullet zipping by in millimeter away from your head. That's that's a close call. So we need to make that. We need to make that uh, the distinction. Yeah, good point. Good point. I've got a quote for you down at this juncture from Einstein. The most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. So that's a good one, isn't it? Mm, um, yeah. So this is kind of a mysterious thing. You're probably wondering why we're talking about this kind of stuff, but it's actually really interesting when you read this book and what I liken it to is kind of you know when men first went to the moon and flew around and then looked back on earth and they've all all those astronauts that walked on the moon came back and have had like some mystical experience haven't they they were they were transformed by that by that looking back at our planet and you know that Carl Sagan quote that I love about that's the pale blue dot that's the home that's our home that's where we live there's nowhere else in the universe that we can live and everything that goes on there is is on that little pale blue dot and a lot of the astronauts who came back some of them really turned to religion or art or became creative and these were men who were like fighter pilots and scientific people and they they ended up having like some really deep mystical experiences so it's quite interesting isn't it it's, it's a similar kind of thing i think yeah it often takes a profound experience to awaken or enlighten someone i think especially in the western world i think a lot of the eastern cultures they can they're a lot more meditative and they're a lot more spiritual anyway so they can have these experiences kind of the more grounded and just brought up into it whereas in the western world we don't really pay much attention until something drastic happens like going to the moon and looking back at earth or taking ayahuasca or having a near-death experience Mm. So it, it probably seems like you go from not even thinking about it to having this experience. I imagine it's very hard to process. Yeah. Whereas if you're grounded in spirituality and you're brought up in learning deep meditation, it probably makes more sense and seems more logical. Yeah, true. So um, I've got another quote. I'm full of quotes today. They're like this, this, streaming this not, out of me. It's not a quotes <laughs> episode. We've already done plenty of them. I'm throwing them in today. You know when something like that you uh, hear and then you hear it like loads and loads and you read it and then you know like this one has been coming to me for the last month okay we are spiritual beings having a human experience i've heard that one before but it hasn't been popping up for me but it's short and sweet that one isn't it yeah and i was listening to um on gaia tv because i knew we were going to do this podcast and you said to have a look on then there's an interview with this guy i can't remember his name this doctor and he was just talking about like how how the brain, like what if our brain isn't, we think all our memories are stored in our brain, right? Now this is going to go quite deep. <laughs> we think our memories are all stored in our brain, but he said, what if they're not? What if they're kind of stored in like the cloud, literally the clouds? <laughs> you know, like how if the, the our brain is the filter and when your brain shuts down, because he said like, um, he had cancer of the brain and there was lots of doctors who've had these, um, who've analysed near-death experiences. It's a part of the amygdala part of your brain that's still there, but his was really badly damaged and there was no way that he could have, that amygdala could have functioned in a way that it did. So he started thinking about what if your brain isn't what we think it is, but it's kind of a filter from the the, the consciousness that's out there, that we are all one being. Yeah, I've heard that like a similar theory before or might be the exact same one but it was with it wasn't the the brain which was the filter or it was maybe but it was also the senses it was what if our brain and our senses 
are actually filtering stuff. So we, we actually get a lot more input, but that just filters us and that gives us our perception of, of reality. We think of it as the other way around, don't we? Mm, yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. That, yeah. So when your brain shuts down and it's not there to filter it anymore, then what is that? You've suddenly become one with the universe. So that's like psychedelics. You take DMT or ayahuasca or magic mushrooms it might just shut down your brain and then activate another part of your brain. Mm. So and I like the analogy where you say the way you live every day now, it's like just a radio dial. You might be on 98.3 FM at the moment. And then you have a near-death experience or a certain part of your brain turns off or you take psychedelics. The, it's just like someone's turned the dial to 99.5 FM. It's always been there, but your dial just hasn't hasn't been on that. And like you say, these yogis can achieve these states through meditation. People do it through fasting and and long walks. And um, ancient ancient tribes did it through um, tribal dances and rites of initiation and things like that. So a near-death experience might be something very similar along those lines. Mm, And a lot of people who have been had near-death experiences have said that the closest that they've ever come back to having one is through meditation and a lot of them have taken up a deep meditative practice to and they said that's the closest that they could get to recreating that feeling yeah and we were saying earlier there's there's a lot of common threads that a lot of them see or experience so should we should we go through a few of them yeah yeah can i start with another quote again (laughs) you might as well make it a hat rick not only are we in the universe the universe is in us I don't know of any deeper spiritual feeling than what that brings upon me. Who was that? That was Neil Tyson. That's like the roomy quote. We are not a drop in the ocean. We are the ocean in a drop. In a drop. Yes. We should just rename this one quotes part three, I think. Heaven is a place on earth. That's Belinda Carlisle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say. Is it enough for Butlin's advert? Right. Okay. So so bringing it back swiftly. So some of the things that these people have said. So one of the ones, the first one is awakening, awakening to the possibility that this reality that we live in is not the, is like you're saying, we're just on a dial. We, this is not, this is not it. It's like the matrix. We are, there's other realities out there and quantum physics is starting to prove these kind of things, isn't it? You know, and like, that's why it's such a conundrum for science because it's not scientific, but it is. Yeah, I've, I've heard it said quite a lot on podcasts and stuff uh, through people who are a lot more enlightened and intelligent than me, saying that science and spirituality are slowly kind of merging. Merging together, merging together yeah. yeah. And it's quantum physics that's bringing that thing together. And yeah, so what if, like, there's, you know, there's the, obviously, the universe, uni, but there's multiverse theory, isn't there? And like everything that you do in another universe there's you doing another choice and it blows your mind when you start thinking about it doesn't it really <laughs> yeah it's 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 overwhelming to some my degree. little brain can't cope with it all mm. so yeah so one of the things that the people who have said is that they become awakened to the possibility that there is something out there that is different to what we are taught in schools or taught in churches or whatever you know like there is something that is something else yeah i like to think of it as either like a different dimension or you just suddenly re- suddenly realize 
you get tapped into that collective consciousness and it's like confirmation that that is real. Again, people your do, little brain. <laughs> yeah, people do it, can achieve these states and because there's all these quotes and things and these deep, meaningful messages from the ancients saying that we are all one, the collective consciousness. But we just sometimes take these quotes for granted, but they must have kind of come to some realisation somehow that this is true. Otherwise, why would people say it? Exactly. Like you were saying, it's that kind of awareness that we are all one and the, this is, we are, this one dimension is part of something bigger. There could be millions of different dimensions, but we're just experiencing this one. Um, but uh-huh. another common one is, yeah, I think you kind of touched on it there as well, that, that sense of peace and calm and kind of acceptance that you kind of look, because on earth you're always, you can have a lot of anxiety you obviously have a lot of memories which can be painful and uh, there's a lot going on. But then when people have these near-death experiences, all that just goes and they're a total peace and it's a, a sense of positivity. And a lot of a lot of people say that it often then becomes hard to come back to earth because then they go from this sense of total tranquility and euphoria to then coming back to a human on earth in this existence and all your pain and problems and especially if you've you've had an accident and you've had a near-death experience, you could be then transported back to your body, getting an electric shock from a paramedic, which is not a nice way to go from being totally tranquil to then getting an electric shock. But so a lot of people choose to not return or they feel as though they don't want to come back. That's that's mm. quite common. Bliss. Bliss, isn't it? That's what a uh, word that they often use. That was total bliss. Um, another th- the second thing is inspiration. When they come back, they are normally inspired to do something different with their lives or change their lives completely because, you know, what's holding you back is sometimes just your own head. We've talked about this before. And then they realise that, you know, there isn't anything holding them back truly. Yeah, that's that's a common one. That kind of goes back to what I was saying in the previous point as well. All that anxiety and and kind of bad feelings and nervousness and worry that all goes away but then when people return they've they've had that sense of euphoria and they might have had like a little life review and then realized that maybe death isn't so scary so then it takes away all that fear when when they're alive because they're not scared of dying anymore they can then eventually learn to live so interesting um courage they become more courageous to make choices of around their lives, around their health, around people who are surrounding them often. They, you know, end up blanking people out of their lives who aren't living towards the dream, the dream team, as it were. Yeah, there's, I mean, I haven't heard heard any cases of people coming back from a near-death experience who've then just wasted the health. They've never come back and said, oh, life is short. I'm just going to eat crap and smoke and drink. And they always come back and they appreciate the health a lot more. That seems to be a common theme as well. Yeah. Attraction. They all believe in the law of attraction that what you put out there is what comes back to you. So if you're putting out negativity, it comes back to you tenfold. And, you know, that you can, your thoughts become things. And it's true. Your thoughts are one of the most powerful things in the world. Yeah. Life is a boomerang. certainly is. Intuition. They become more intuitive. They try to tap into their intuitive mind. I've got another quote, if I can find it. I think I've lost it. Hang on. It's for another Einstein one. It was quite good. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm dropping it in. 
The intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant, but has forgotten the gift. Mm, very good. Einstein was a clever dude, wasn't he? Yeah, you get a lot of these people who we would kind of call scientists. They were very tapped into the spirituality, the spiritual side. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's Tesla? Was, yeah, yeah. And um, Isaac Newton and people like that, they, they kind of knew that there was something something bigger and more spiritual that wasn't just kind of all, it has to be weighed and measured. They knew there was something else. And mm-hmm. there's often good quotes about that as well. Yeah, I haven't got them today, but there is. <laughs> I'm glad because so... <laughs> you've, you've already given us about 10 quotes. So intuition, they become much more intuitive and tap into their brain and their mind and that's why they do a lot more um, meditation and become much more aware of their surroundings they become more compassionate and kind that's quite a big thing a lot of them have said that when they go back none of the bad stuff is remembered it's all the good stuff so the more good stuff that you've got to to take with you the better i like that a lot of them lose the fear of death as well that's a common one yeah i'm getting to that one um, kindness, I've just kind of mentioned that they all become much more kinder to the surroundings and the people. And you don't know, like your little act of kindness, how much it'll change someone's life. So interesting. Yeah, it could be the catalyst for just having someone having a good day turn into a good week. Or meeting somebody and yeah, exactly. getting married to that person. And then, you know, you never know who, who you're going to influence by just being you. Um, gratitude, they become so grateful that they've been given a second chance and grateful like you said about their bodies and their health um look after their health look after their vessel the space suit that we're all in and um i'm nearly i've, I've got two more to go re, re, <laughs> here we go <laughs> who knew that i could not pronounce words until uh, we started doing this podcast revelation they all feel like they've been given kind of a gift of revelation. (laughs) And the last one is like what you just said, death. They're not afraid of death anymore. Like all of them said, when asked, are you afraid to die? And all of them said, no, I'm not. Yeah. For me, that's probably the the biggest one, to be honest. Imagine living your life and just having no fear of death. I mean, it could probably work against your favour because you might die too soon because you might do stupid stuff mm, <laughs> if you weren't like, yeah. grounded enough. <laughs> yeah, but because death is such an unknown and no one technically knows what happens and no one ever will until it happens to you, that they're always, for most people anyway, there will be some apprehension and fear around death because this life is all that we know. Mm-hmm. So, and there's, there's always fear of the unknown, but it should be looked upon there's more of like a, a question mark, but an exciting one. People should yeah. look, we should almost look forward to what's next. We've experienced this thing on earth as a human in this dimension. I wonder if the the afterlife could be 10, time, 10 times better. Why not look at it that way as, 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 as a negative one and, and fear, but we don't really get taught that, do we? So, no. Um, no. but for and me, then- for, for me, I'm not necessarily fully afraid of death I suppose I am to some degree but I think becoming a little bit of a, a hippie I've lost that fear of death to some degree it's the still apprehension because of the unknown but I don't think I'm particularly scared of it I think I've just convinced myself that there is something better or more interesting or that there just is something after 
this yeah. life that's, that's my opinion i think you're right as well and like a lot of the older religions don't see death as the end they see it as the beginning don't they mm, so yeah. like um in the egyptians you know that's what the pyramids were there for to take them on their journey um their continued journey into the afterlife so yeah i see it as more of a not the end but and one of the things that they did say was that love lives on after death love is the the thing that always lives on which i thought was quite nice it's definitely a a better thought and a better way to process death even if you don't fully believe in it but try and convince yourself that that is that is the way because if you think it's just it's just the end and that's it you just worm food after you die then <laughs> it's not a nice thought is it really and no you'll probably be apprehensive about it whereas if you choose the other route and think that there's something greater and more magical and you become part of this collective consciousness then it's going to make that transition a lot smoother uh, i would imagine interesting mm. interesting and it's a lot of like religions have loads of different views on what happens to you after death don't they like heaven or nirvana or you know all these words for paradise wherever you go interesting yeah so. same as all you you mentioned religion mm. so we've mentioned a few things people commonly experience when they come back to earth like mm-hmm. gratitude and um, there's a few common things that people experience at the moment of a near-death experience. Okay. So in those kind of maybe two or three minutes or 20 minutes or an hour when they're technically dead, there's a lot of common threads. People often experience a life review, or you've heard this term before, when your life flashes before your eyes. Mm-hmm. People often see the whole life in a millisecond. That, that's really common. Probably the most common one, which where, when we decided we were going to do this topic for the podcast, I immediately think of people who have an out-of-body experience. So often you hear these stories of people on a hospital bed and they're watching the they're watching the surgeons trying to bring them back to life or do an operation. I think of that as like the soul or the spirit has just left the body and mm. it's just watching from a different place. That's really common. Mm-hmm. You mentioned religion. Often people see religious figures, like they think they see Jesus Christ or guardian angels, things like that, and they often can see that bright light or a stairway going to what they would, would call heaven. But this kind of comes with the possibility of also, because people see these religious figures and things like that, and dead relatives is a very common one as well. They, they think they've, in this near-death experience, they speak to people who have passed, who might have been the parents or the grandparents. But this could just because these are kind of the deepest held beliefs in the deepest parts of the brain, like religions normally instilled in you from the time you can remember really and mm-hmm. your parents probably had that religion and their grandparents so it's almost in your dna to some degree that you believe in the afterlife in heaven so much that it's part of you is what your body is so when you are in this state of not dead not alive those are the last things to kind of leave your body or leave your consciousness so those could be the only things remaining it's just imprinted on you so much that it might not be that you've actually gone to heaven it might just be the, that you believe in it so much it's you cannot let go of it to some degree. That's one theory. But again, there's no way to prove this because like we were saying off air before we started, it's just so, I, I don't think science will ever be able to explain it. It might be something that happens in the brain or it might not. But even if it was something that happened in the brain, it's not very convenient to try and scientifically study that because 
you kind of put everyone in an MRI scanner and, and then kill them and bring them back to life and say what happened. It's unethical. And most people who experience these near-death experiences, it happens, they, I know, they drowned or they get hit by a car or something, and there's, there's no MRI scanner or, or brain surgeon there to, to try and assess what's happened. So I think it'll be a mystery forever what actually happens. You're right. Apart from, like, I just remembered about that film called Flatliners in the 1990s with Julia Robertson where they did do that experiment and flatlined people. Obviously, that was a film... <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't prove anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But these these uh, people, this is not like just a, we said at the start, there's a lot more cases of near-death experiences now. They, they get better recorded and people are getting brought yeah. back to life. And of course but, the internet allows people to communicate with each other and stuff, yeah, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. But it's been it's been a thing throughout humanity. It's not just a, but it's, it's harder to kind of trace it through history. But Socrates and Plato, the ancient Greeks, they wrote about them. They had near-death experiences and, and wrote about it. And I'm sure cultures before them did as well, but they do get lost throughout history. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not just necessarily a modern thing. Cool. How interesting is that? So if you wanted to read about it, this book is really good called The Ten Secrets of Heaven. And it's about harnessing the secrets for life on earth <laughs> and using what people have been in heaven and come back and said so it's quite good it's um by Teresa Chung so recommend yeah, we've, it we've just described a lot of what people tend to see or a lot of similarities of what they see or feel but it'll probably say in the in the book you've got there that a lot of people also struggle to describe accurately mm. the way that they felt or the things that they saw it's almost as if there's no words or language which can give you the appreciation of what they saw. It's as if you have to experience it to fully know that it happened. And that's, we said this in the psychedelics one as well. Yeah. Almost as if you might be there for those 10, 20 minutes, but it's so almost incomprehensible when you're back on earth that you kind of fully describe it to people. Some people do a pretty good job, but then I imagine the only way to fully experience it is to experience it. That's, yeah. that's kind of one of the most difficult things, again, with trying to prove that it exists because people kind of, there's no language to describe that feeling. Yeah. And the, and the fact that they all come back and, you know, change their lives and make positive changes to them and around them. It's, yeah, it's kind of a very complex thing mm. that's happened to them. But so what do, you, what do you think happens when we die? What do I think happens? Do you, do you, do you have a, a set mind like uh, like theory on it or well, um, your beliefs? I didn't think I had, but then the other day my son was in the car and he's like, Mom, you know when you said that, we go up to the collective consciousness. <laughs> so I was like, oh, all right then. Have I told you that, did I? He's like, yeah, you told us that. I can't remember telling him that, but I must have done. So, yeah, I do think that I, like sometimes when you when I kind of, meditate not that I have a deep meditative practice because I can very easily go into that deep state naturally I do think oh yes this is it we're all one <laughs> and we're all part of the same thing like I kind of I can get it but it's like glimpses just mm. like like fleeting um I think that I do think that some like you don't die I do think that you come back and there's all those people who've had like 
reincarnation as I used to be obsessed with reincarnate I've told you this story haven't I like by the time I was 12 I'd read like every book on reincarnation in the library not that there was many of them to be fair in Eshwin and library but I'd read them all I was obsessed and I was obsessed as well with people getting their heads chopped off like when I was three I remember saying to my mom can I watch that bit of the film where they get their heads chopped off always always obsessed <laughs> and I can remember that and I always thought that's a bit weird it's a bit weird for a three-year-old to be obsessed with people getting their heads chopped off isn't it you know the carry-on films uh, carry-on what's yeah. the French Revolution one um I was obsessed with that film just the bit where they were at the guillotine I, I swear if I had like a a past life regression that I would be at the guillotine somewhere down the line I can remember being completely obsessed by it and now I look back and they were what was all that about like I think my mum just thought it was a bit weird. <laughs> you might have been an, ex- an executioner. Yeah, I might have been. So anyway, that's by the by. So I do think that, um, yeah, that there is some kind of, why are we here, Dan? Like, what? <laughs> why? What? Why? What's going on? Like, Yeah, that's people often say that the biggest question is, like, what's the meaning of life? But I think people just say that it's just like a, they've heard it before and they don't actually know what they're asking. But... Does there have to be a reason? I think so. This, I think the most common one I like often hear and that kind of resonates with me is it's the universe just experiencing itself as a human called Jill. Yeah. It's the only way for the universe or life to experience itself is to create something and then look create at itself, itself to some degree. It's yeah. kind of hard to get your head around, but that that's the one that resonates with me. And so yeah, with regards to kind of life after death. Mm. I definitely think there is something. I, I I don't know what that is. I hope I don't experience it for a while, but um, yeah, a I lot less apprehensive yet. than what kind of most of us are traditionally brought up to mm. believe. It's obviously, it, trouble is, it involves like leaving people behind and people being sad for you. But like, mm. like we've said, other cultures don't look at that. They, they, like a lot of other cultures celebrate. They celebrate someone's life instead of being kind of mournful and things like that. But that's just the way we're brought up, aren't we? Um, yeah. It makes it hard to leave to to um, think of leaving people behind and them being sad. That's almost worse than death, isn't it? In my yeah. mind, that that is, especially if it's a tragedy, and it's and you go too young. But if you lose your own fear of death, then it shouldn't be it shouldn't be scary for you. Like a lot of people who have these experiences say, even though they've got family and, and they've got kids and they have a nice life on Earth when they die and they go to this afterlife, whatever it may be, that feels a million times better than life on earth. So, and they almost don't want to come back even to kids and family and stuff. So that kind of makes me feel like we should be less apprehensive about it. I think. Mm. Yeah. I don't want to go yet though. I'd be well paid off if I died now. Like, cause I've got too much to do on earth. I feel like I've got so much to do. I feel like I can't get enough information in my head. I don't know what my soul is. Like it's some kind of nut soul. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's a deep, deep subject, but it's interesting as well. It's, it's just the mind boggles and you'll never fully understand it until it happens. But yeah, it's kind of fun thinking about as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, if any of our listeners have had near death experiences, of course, we want to know about them, don't we, Dan? Yeah, I don't know anyone who's who's had one. I've never spoke to anyone, and I don't know if people who might have had them may like they might not dare speak out because people just might look at them strange or judge them, just oh you're lying or it was just a dream or 
because it's like we said, it's probably intangible to try and describe what happened. So yeah, if anyone if anyone has, let us know, Gus. It's just fascinating to me. Yeah, and do read the book and let us know what you think about it as well. Because yeah, it is deep. It's a bit deep for us, Dan. Yeah, we need well, we need to lighten it up a little bit. We should do another quartz episode. I think you're channeling a lot of quartz at the moment. <laughs> Although you've just said about ten, you must have some more in the bank. <laughs> Well, you see, because I can't explain it in my words as good as what Einstein and people like that can, you see. Quarter, just like well, the wisdom of the ages or condensed wisdom. The, condensed wisdom, yeah. Yeah. Quartz and analogies, they're sometimes an easier way to learn than reading a textbook or watching a film or a documentary. Sometimes something, a quote, literally like three or four words can just spark something in you, aren't they? That's... I think yeah. that's one of the good things of social media, although you get a lot of absolute shit quotes by people who don't believe them. There is some... <laughs> Motivational lot, quotes. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of kind of like, I like the stoic mentality. Yeah, there's a lot of good, ones. Yeah, so a lot of them, those are like being brought back to life, um, which is, which is mm. a good thing, I think. Yeah. Cool. Have you got anything else to add? Uh, no, that's, that's all my near-death experience notes. Like I said at the start, I just try not to confuse it with... Uh, um, a close call because a lot of people have close calls but a near-death experiences is actually being clinically dead that's mm. the big difference cool well i um need to i'm gonna go and get my nails done now you know for the first time in a year oh just wow to, like completely change the yeah, yeah, atmosphere more, of the podcast light-hearted <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said you were going to go and write your will or something like that. <laughs> no, I'm going to get my nails done. So, yeah, so I'm quite looking forward to it, actually, because I haven't had it done for a year. And, right. you know, like, I don't really go to the hairdresser, so that's not, was never my thing, so. Bit of self-care. Yeah. Well, as we, as we were recording this, I got my hair cut yesterday for the first time in this, well, this year since December. So it does make you feel good. A little bit of self-care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's nice to have a little bit of normality creeping back in, isn't it? So tomorrow I've got my first clients for my one-to-one in my new room at the back with my new view. The beach house, that's what you need to call the it. beach house, yeah, I'm going to call it that. <laughs> so if you've not seen any pictures on social media, please look on my social media because you'll see it. Is I've created a beach in my back room. <laughs> it's covered in sand. Yeah, yeah, you have to come in the hula skirt and stuff like that. So, yeah, so what are you up to, Dan? You're back at work now as well? Yeah, gyms are reopened and it's been going well. Yay. Like you were kind of just touching on there, let's let's touch wood that things stay open permanently now. Yeah, let's, fingers crossed. But, yeah, I'm not shutting down any of my online stuff. So online classes are still going to be going ahead. So if you're wanting to join any classes programs all of that jazz check out my website organicpilates.co.uk cool and remember the podcast is available on apple podcast spotify jill's website podbean alexa google home and probably in the collective consciousness somewhere the cloud I've uploaded it to the cloud <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um remember guys if you've enjoyed our podcast please leave a um five star review because we can't handle one stars because that would just devastate us and that wouldn't feed into our collective conscious would it Dan and um yeah please pass the pod yep and we'll see you again soon on another episode bye